Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with a short weekend episode. Actually, a couple weekends ago, I was on uh, the Hobby Hotline, early February. Had a great time. I really enjoy that. It's different co-hosts each time. Just a short bit of outtakes from the episode. Like I said, it's an hour-long episode. I encourage you to listen to the whole thing. But uh, if you don't have time, these are some of my points that I want to add to my permanent record of what I have in my podcast. So, But thanks, sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Without further ado, Hobby Hotline, here are some excerpts. So many people talk about what card, after the Super Bowl, has the greatest chance of a high percentage increase, when in reality, what they're really thinking is, what card has the best chance of going up by $50,000? To take Chris's example of the contender's Brady, could that go from five fifty to six? Now, you've got to put five fifty large into it, but Tyreek Hill has no card that will go up $50,000. No. So people think about the percentages, but they also think about the absolute dollars. And that's why the huge cards get so much glamour. And they don't even need to go up a huge percent. If Brady went up 10%, that's thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. A lot of the hobby publicity is about cards that even if they go up a little bit, it's big. The hobby is going to divide into two camps. People that say, once a card is so exotic that it's fractionalized, I'm going to chase that card or I'm going to try to get a piece of it because it's going to be where the publicity is. It's really going to be pushed. But I think there's another segment of the hobby says as soon as a card gets up to that level of tentpole status and gets fractionalized, I'm going the other direction. I don't want to have cards that are going to be run up so high. I want to have some other great cards. There's all kinds of other cards you can get of the same player, just not the very best. Of, once it gets fractionalized, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying once a card gets fractionalized, it takes on a life of its own. That's where it gets difficult trying to compare from different generations and different eras of cards. Well, well, true. Yeah, it's not hard to compare. It's hard to compare fairly, accurately, yes. unbiased. It's easy to yes. compare. People are doing it all the time, but they're right. comparing it to the best advantage of the position that they want to support. It's a free world. That's fine. I think people that are chasing what everybody else is chasing, anytime supply is much less than demand, it's going to drive the prices up at some point, perhaps above what is sustainable. My problem with, with, with Topps Baseball over the last couple of years, bloated inserts and recycled designs. What I hear you saying, Chris, from interacting with the manufacturers and seeing different products that they offer. Of all the products that any of the manufacturers offer, this is the least niche product that you could possibly have because it's really intending, and you're criticizing it probably correctly, but it has something for everybody. If you're the advanced collector, you understand the historical significance and are looking back, but this is not a niche product. If you were a a consumer packaging person, and you said, let's have a focus group for top series one, the flagship, the focus group, they, they couldn't just go to advanced collectors. They couldn't just go to brand new collectors. It's the one product that I think they intend to be for everybody. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised that they overbake it. <laughs> they put in all these things that we as advanced collectors can see, gee, you did that before. But if they're really trying to have a product that appeals to everybody, then that's tricky. But my problem is we keep seeing the same concepts and the same designs. And there's just no originality. No, I, I, I'm I mean, not so sure. Basically, 
if you look at it from a branding perspective, they are reinforcing the brand. So a brand strategist is saying that, Chris, your frustration proves what we're doing. I've been talking to some of the card company people over the decades about building these sets. The golden age of insert sets was the late 90s. Those were fresh design. When I was uh, running the company, we were trying to put out pleasing magazines and graphic collateral materials. And I used to say that when you're creating a new design for something, an ugly design sometimes is just as expensive to produce as a beautiful design. However, the cheapest thing is regurgitating, is using the old design and tweaking it just a little bit. So we shouldn't be surprised that most of it is going to be tweaking something old. If you go back to the boldness of the late 90s, of very fresh thinking, of designs that had never been seen before, and those are some of the most enduring in the Michael Jordan world, they were rare, and it's stuff that people really care about. But that's more expensive to start from scratch. To take last year's or make it similar is way easier. You're talking 90s and late early 2000s inserts. That's right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> those, yeah. Why those inserts continue to resonate a lot with collectors. In a lot of those products, you didn't get an insert in every pack. If there's a bullseye for the typical top flagship customer, I don't think you and I are at the center of the bullseye. I think they're selling it to people that open it up and say, I love this stuff. We're putting yeah, it in I, historical perspective, and I think we're on the fringes of the marketing focus. They want to get the, the traditional collector, but also the new collectors. They want this to be the primary baseball card set that anybody gets. Chris recited in the financial world that, that there's some inflection points in everything's going great, then it turned. I'm wondering what the logic is behind people that didn't want to tender their shares for PSA because... PSA is going great right now. There's no question about that. But I know from my days at BGS, it is an industry. It is a product. It is a whole category of the hobby that will be, in the foreseeable future, disrupted. There will be a disruption. And the cash cow that is PSA, I think all the grading companies are doing world record business but that whole category will be disrupted. It's not just new competitors. There's going to be new technologies. PSA, strong brand, it will endure, but it's profitability. When things get artificially intelligenced, they become commoditized. When they become commoditized, the price goes down, profit margins go down. Right now, I'd like to know what the logic is for somebody holding out and saying, no, that's not an outstanding offer for PSA. That's just my bias, perhaps. Who's to say that PSA wouldn't be the one doing that automating? Or they'll acquire it. But I'm just saying, once it gets to that level, very likely there's some uncertainty of whether it will be equally as profitable. Volume could even go up, but the profit margins could go down. There's uncertainty and it will be disrupted. Is anybody familiar with what's been going on with the NBA top shot? I understand why NBA is doing it. They're innovative. They've got great highlights. It makes a lot of sense for them to do something like this. Again, I was mentioning consumer packaged goods. When you're doing cards, you have to produce the cards. There's a cost of sales. There's a cost of manufacturing. There's essentially no variable cost (laughs) to this product. So I can see why the NBA would want to do it. Uh, I don't think I'm a, a likely customer for that. But don't fall in the trap of thinking that this iteration of that product is the final iteration. 
my mind is already racing about several innovations or improvements or extensions that could give this idea legs. So I think it's an idea that's here to stay, even though I'm sure I don't fully get it. It actually makes cards look like a, a super reasonable investment <laughs> <laughs> compared to buying something that you'll never be able to touch. It's an excellent application of blockchain in the chain of custody of your highlight. Like I say, in a dynamic hobby ecosystem, there are going to be things that are tried that don't always come off right the first time. I think they're going to be further iterations. I think it, it could help physical cards. Physical yeah. cards are going to look like a better deal. That's what's going to happen. That would be rational. In the long run, it's going to move toward rational.